Good day, good morning, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you so very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. And this is kind of a kind of a long time coming. I've been waiting to do this one for a while. It is a review of Martin Scorsese's masterpiece, kind of masterpiece, newest film, whatever you want to call it, the Joe Pesci masterpiece. No questions about it. The Irishman, available now on Netflix, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Martin De Niro, not Martin De Niro, star, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, also Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, a whole host of names and people are in this film, and it's a very big film, clocking in at well over three hours long. So it took a while to get to the review, also Jake wasn't feeling so good. So it's finally here. Very excited to present it to you. The podcast itself is well over an hour long, which I think is pretty pretty fitting because the movie itself is three hours. So it, we condense a lot of information. And this, this is a really deep movie. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of rabbit holes you get to go down. And as a listener or, or a researcher or whoever, what kind of person you are, you can really dig into the story of Frank Sheeran. Like, you don't have to stop at the movie. There's a lot of American history that you can learn about that this man uh, may or may not have actually been attached to. All right. So, without that, uh, without anything more being said, I got to dive right into the supporters. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive in Soldotna. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook, as well as their website, theironasylumgymak.com. They carry supplements from Redcon, as well as American Operator, and their Redcon supplements are more affordable than our local GNC. So, if you are trying to check out some Redcon stuff, there you go. Quality products, quality company at a quality-ass gym. All right. So I was at uh, Iron Asylum Gym this morning. I get there about 5 o'clock in the morning. I, I hang out with my little zombie squad, and I get my shit going. I think it sets the tone for the day. It gets things going, and it gets me in a positive mood. So by the time I get home and I'm interacting with the people in my life, I've got my bullshit out of the way. All right, so that's Iron Asylum. If you are interested in getting your membership off the ground, do it before New Year's, man. Uh, forget about a, a, a New Year's resolution. Just do it now and don't worry about it. All right, number is 907-953-4720 for more information. As well, you can check out the Instagram and the Facebook and the website because that's there too. Also, the Schnitzel Bomber, located on the corner of K Beach and Poppy, rated 5 out of 5 on Facebook. I have no idea what this week's special is, so I'm not even going to lie to you. They're not open today. They are open from Tuesday to Saturday from 11.30 to 8. They have Bavarian pretzels at the moment. Bavarian pretzels, they're really good. I enjoyed them. Uh, they and they make stuff all the time for you to dip it in. Just ask what they've got to dip those pretzels in. I'm guaranteeing you they've got something cool and something interesting, and you'll enjoy it. All right, so they uh, they've got a whole host of specials: the Bavarian pets, uh, pretzels. They've also got the woke and baked deals. Now, what are the woke and, be- uh, woke and baked deals? The ten dollar normal person serving of their special tell you I've gotten the special and I share it with the people that I love. But if you're getting it for yourself, there is a $10 Woke and Baked special. You got to make sure that you mention it. But if you pay the full price for the special, um, for the full size special, you'll get a free bed, uh, bread pudding with the mention of the podcast. So mention the podcast, go there tomorrow because they're not there today, but they might be there to pay today depending on when you listen to this, uh, this episode of the podcast. But uh, Sunday and Monday, 
not going to be there. You're going to have a hard time getting some schnitzel bomber unless you've got some uh, ready to be microwaved on Sunday and or Monday. All right. Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the makers of fine concentrates, cartridges, hashade, and many, many more products. They also carry products from your favorite cultivators and extractors, uh, including Alaska Blooms, Warner Brothers, Fireweed Extracts, and edibles from fine folks like Lady Grey. All right, be sure to check out their website, Red Run Cannabis Company, for more information as well as weed maps for their current menu. Also, be sure to stay tuned for the end of the podcast so that you can get the super-duper sweet cannabis warning because it is very, very important that uh, I give you that warning. All right. Also, 5150 Vapes, located in the heart of Soldatna. They are your home for flavored nicotine juices for those of you that are 19 and up. Fairly certain the age is 19. They've also got mods, shatter, batter, and they are your exclusive home for woke and baked t-shirts. Man. Yeah, that was that was going through a lot really, really quickly. All right, our guest today is Jake Thompson. He trained a fighter to uh, to compete over this past weekend at the Fight Before Christmas 4, which was a pretty badass event. All right, if you've never made it to one of the fights before Christmas, you should have gone, and you should go to the one uh, next year. It'll be Fight Before Christmas 5. It's whatever the fifth year anniversary. It's not gold or so. It might be like the tin. It's like the tin anniversary of, you know, whatever... Uh, whatever five years is, you know, get to the fifth, the five-year mark uh, of uh, of the fight before Christmas, and then I'm I'm sure you'll see some special shit. Like you might see a Santa on Santa wrestling match, which would be pretty interesting. You could you could have a lot of fun with that. All right, so um, without further ado. talking about ideas like different inventions and then um like the comedians and like for a comedian like it feels like they have to come up with an invention as far as like their next special or you know just uh, a bit of comedy and i feel like i've read somewhere and i don't know where and i wish i did, did that ideas are like this untangible thing that like it's like fishing where sometimes your brain catches it but if you don't like hold on to it by like acting on it, bring it into fruition, then it goes off and it can go yeah. continue and go yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. Even, deeper, that, yeah, even though that, even though like ninety-five percent of my day, yeah, <laughs> just it's catch and release, man. Yeah, yeah. it's catch and release. <laughs> and and sometimes you have those ideas, you know, these these waves that click, that fire, and they're like this is a really great idea. But if you don't, if you don't do anything with that great idea, did you deserve it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That idea was wasted. Right. Yeah, like, and then someone else is moving on to figure out a way to make it work. Cool. Like, you had that idea. You have another idea. Figure out some other shit. But it's just a matter, I think, 
of acting on it, we of acting to, on motivation. We used to always, uh, it, it was a way to just kind of share like a good idea that you had. We referred to it as the million dollar idea. And that was, you know, that way you get to share it with someone and that person kind of remembers it. And it was always funny, like, uh, how many times be like, all right, million dollar idea, insert idea. And then, you know, wait about like a year later and then you see it on like an infomercial or in the stores or something of that nature, you know, so. Well, the really great thing about that is that now that we have these, uh, these recording devices in our pocket that uh, take everything that we say and try to resell it to us, they're also being listened to. Like yeah. um, so when you have a really good idea with your buddies and you shoot out your million-dollar idea <laughs> and your Alexa's uh. recording it, just know that there's somebody there whose like job it is to listen to your billion-dollar idea. And Jeff Bezos is going to figure out a way to do it cheaper. Um, <laughs> and he's going to provide it on Prime. And your stuff's not going to be Prime eligible. Well, in the, but the advantage of that is... You then get to buy your own idea. <laughs> that's true. Like, you don't have to go through the development. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, though, is like there's there's a lot of shit that goes into the development and the process mm -hmm. of making a, uh, of an idea. Like lots of people, I'm sure, had an idea. And this brings us to our topic of today, <laughs> to make a movie about Frank the Irishman Sheeran, uh, a man who is reputed to have been a hitman for the Buffalino, uh, Buffalino crime family. Uh, a man who takes credit for shooting Jimmy Hoffa and the subject of the Netflix film The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro. Also starring... Al Pacino. Also starring... Joe Pesci. And Harvey Keitel and... Yes. And a barely, barely recognizable, at the very end, rap nerd cameo, Action Bronson. Now, you may not be familiar with Action Bronson. However, Action Bronson is the star of watching Ancient Aliens with Action Bronson on the Vice Network. <laughs> He's also the author of a, of a new cookbook. I, I don't want to get the name screwed up. Fuck, that's delicious. That sounds I, right. I believe that's that sounds right. Fuck, that's delicious. Um... He's a, he is a chef, he's a rapper, he's an entertainer, and he had a freestyle on his last album, White Bronco, called The Irishman Freestyle. And he said, I just finished shooting my first scene with Scorsese, I shot my first scene with De Niro, and it was, and it was a great, it was the very fucking end of the movie, and so the whole movie... I know Action Bronson is in this movie, and, and in the build-up to watching this movie, and then watching this movie, and where the fuck is Action Bronson? And then I finally get to see Action Bronson, and I'm like, this is cool. I'm glad I got to share this experience with, kind of with Jake Thompson. Yeah. I, um, I feel like we'd be remiss not to mention who I believe was the real star of the show, Ray Romano. You've said that to me multiple times in, uh, in text, and... You use the term Oscar-worthy. Like, that's the universe we <laughs> yes. live in. That's an Oscar-worthy performance. And I I think it's it's right. I went back, I watched the movie mm -hmm. twice, and I thought that there's a reason everybody loved Raymond. Yes. Yes, and that was because um, he was awesome in that movie. <laughs> he, it was just, it was so... I, I don't think he's done any character of this nature before. I think he's always done the, like... He's always just been Ray Romano or Raymond... You know, but the, you know, the comedian or the jokey funny guy or whatnot. And, and you, like, from the get-go, like, first time, first second I see him, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. And then he's, like, won me over almost instantly. 
but he was still Ray Romano. Yes. So, so then this this becomes the question. It's like I I had you know this discussion. It's like a mid '90s discussion about whether or not John Travolta was a re, was a good actor or if he was just good at doing John Travolta roles. <laughs> and and I don't care if it's a good performance. And this was. If you've ever watched an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, you owe it to yourself to see what he does with Joe Pesci and, and to see his, his interaction and that very first conversation mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with Frank and, and that, just that interaction with him and, him and Robert De Niro. Um, it was great. Oh, it, yeah. It was, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful. It was like watching... It wasn't like watching chess with like two chess masters, but it was like watching a really good game of ping pong on YouTube. Something that was good enough to be viral. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome ping pong match. Uh, those two did a really great job. A lot was done with just facial expressions. A lot, yeah. and and that was another thing with the CGI. I don't know how much attention you were paying to the CGI. I thought they did a pretty good job of of making it so that Robert De Niro could work with just facial expressions. Like, he, he, a lot of his character was mm-hmm. just based on, well, I don't know, feel, looking and feeling disappointed in himself. Like, he, the whole movie, um, I felt like he was disappointed in the decisions he was making. Like, he was disappointed in himself. Uh, he just always had that Robert De Niro face. Yeah. Makes that the gas. I love face. that you're making faces on a podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I love is is we now have the capability to do video, so we're mm. going to start doing these uh, these with video, so that I can make the faces. But it's the Robert De Niro old guy face. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on 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 Robert De Niro and the old guy face and the whole and actually Robert De Niro in this role? Oh, you know, I, <laughs> I think Robert De Niro was probably and. You know, weird thing to say was probably the weakest link in this setup. Not wrong. Um, I think he spent a lot of time just doing like, "Hey, here's the I call it the Robert De Niro face." You know, the like the the same expressions you would see if he was doing, say, an interview with Conan O'Brien. He's like, you know, show me a tough guy. Oh, this is what a tough guy looks like. And that was kind of that was kind of it. Um, Give me a second. I got to move the mic, and I just want to I want to be able to get your your pickup a little bit better. I can move too, but. Yeah, this is. We'll figure this out. We're a team. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you can't cut out the part where you you hear this moving around. That's gonna stay in the the final (laughs) cut. Uh, Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah, I might add. You know, I might actually uh, put some effects on it and give it like a rubber bassy sound. So if someone's listening in their car and it's cranked up, it's just gonna be a weird, cool rhythm. Just record it and periodically place it in different parts of the. Boom! 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 boom. Now, uh, you know, De Niro has that. I feel like he, he was trying to give it his all, but we might be looking at a guy that's just like way past prime and he's kind of coasting on, well, this is what Robert De Niro does. I'm going to be Robert De Niro and you guys can just build the role kind of around me. I think that if you had Robert De Niro in the early 90s, if, if I didn't feel like he was playing the same character that he was playing in uh, Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Like a younger Robert De Niro would have been much more believable in this. But Robert De Niro is a dude who hasn't done himself a great deal of service over the last 10 years or yeah. so. Uh, when you start looking at his performance, I, I think 
I think that this was an opportunity for him to to put in a really solid performance. But I, I you're right. I think he was the weak the weakest link in the movie. I'm grateful the movie got made. Yes. Uh, Pesci was great. Oh my gosh. Uh, Pesci was incredible. In fact, there's there's one scene, and I I have no idea if this was a Scorsese thing, if this was a Pesci thing, if this was just written in, or if this was completely improvised. Are you gonna spoiler alert it? Uh, no, no, I don't <laughs> okay. believe so. I don't believe this is a spoiler alert. The movie's been out for a while. Yeah, but there is a yeah there there's a moment where De Niro's about to get on a plane, and Pesci and him are sitting in a car, and right before he's about to exit the car, Pesci says, "Give me your sunglasses." Totally random. Like, doesn't doesn't lean into the story in any sort of, you know, way. It's not, you know, it's like, if he didn't take his sunglasses, there'd be a totally different ending here. You know, JFK would be alive and... The, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think was the point of taking the sunglasses? I couldn't figure it out. And I, I at first it kind of, I was just like, that's weird. That kind of threw me out of the, out of the role for a second. Or, you know, almost like breaking the fourth wall in a way. Um... I don't know. Is it one of those like prove a point things? Like, like we might have said, you know, might as well have said, now touch my dick. Yeah. Um, like, let me give you the, let me take away this piece of comfort. Unless, unless there's, you're there to, he was there in that role. You know, fucking no spoiler alert, man. The movie's been out for like a month. Mm. Um, he was there. Four years. <laughs> he was there to kill Jimmy Hoffa, right? And that's that's why we're all watching. That's this why thing. he's getting on the plane. That's the reason this movie was fucking made. Is yeah. Because this guy claimed he killed Jimmy Hoffa, so he was getting on a plane to to help kill his friend, someone that yeah. he's known for many years now. I don't know. I think that maybe he would have felt remiss. Uh, maybe maybe Jimmy would have known something was off if he had the sunglasses on. If he wasn't. There in his most, I don't know. I'm curious about that. Yeah, it was such a, it was such an interesting thing. And then when he arrives back on the uh, from the plane and meets back up with Joe Pesci, who hasn't left the airport, who hasn't left the airport, Joe Pesci first thing hands him back his sunglasses, and it was like that little attention to detail was just, you know, I don't know if that, was, you know, I, I want to know, I want to know what, you know. It was probably some gaffer. It was like, hey, it'd be funny if you grabbed his sunglasses. Who knows what it was? Or if it was like Scorsese. It's like, if you don't do this, we're not going to make this film. I, it seems like there's a there's a, a bunch of different reasons. And maybe that's one of those things that we should have looked into. Like, <laughs> why the sunglasses? You did know, anyone else even notice it? <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. I did. And I wondered to myself, what's the point of the sunglasses? Why did he uh, make him give him the sunglasses? When they're in prison... Mm-hmm. And you see old Pesci after the stroke. Um, if Pesci, if Pesci doesn't win an uh, award for this, I well, I guess we'll know who does. But like, I, I would like to know what they did that that was better yeah. um, than than Pesci. I think every every move that Pesci made in this film was every move that you've ever wanted to see Pesci in. I've heard it argued that. Pesci is more terrifying in this than he was in Home Alone. And, and thinking back as a 10-year-old, uh, watching that, and then, you know, going on to see uh, something like Goodfellas, those are some pretty scary fucking characters around the same time. And this was a, just a different different type of scary. Yeah, it was... You know, he really... He, the, the character he played definitely had... Uh... 
you know, like a, a sense of sort of calm power. You know, uh, it was it was very interesting. It wasn't the Joe Pesci that's like beating a guy's face in with a phone or yeah. something like that. It's uh, It was just a weird like, it's a Joe Pesci that you didn't want to cross. Because, you know, it's yeah. not like he's going to burst out. You know, it's not going to be an angry reaction right out of the gate. You know, it's just something bad's going to happen. But he also appeared vulnerable, too, which... He was... Yeah, he was great in this film. He... If you if you compare it to his character in Goodfellas, um, I think Frank is supposed to be more that character. He is... When, when he's sitting down in the cafe with Whispers, <laughs> and Whispers says... I know what you're. I know what you're capable of, and I, I don't want that. This dude, this this Frank Sheeran guy, did some fucked up shit. He he did some terrible things to people uh, in the last moments of their lives. Mm-hmm. And Pesci controlled that. Pesci had a guy who would kill you in front of your family on your birthday. Because that's one of the things that Frank did. Frank killed a gangster in front of his family uh, on his birthday. Damn. And, and Joe Pesci controlled that. Joe, Joe Pesci had a guy that could do that and walk away and not go to, go to jail for it. Um, Joe Pesci could have a guy killed over a misunderstanding. And... And Joe Pesci just had some lines in that movie, and and we can kind of get into some of those as well, like the and towards the very end with 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 the beef with Tony Pro <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Hoffa, <laughs> some of the 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 things that that get said, those are just some great interactions. I mean, Pacino, can we talk about Pacino in this movie? What are your thoughts? You know. Um... I, uh, I think Pacino actually nailed it. I don't think he was. Uh, I mean, it, it to me, you know, Jimmy Hoffa really isn't the like the greatest character probably to play. You know. Um, so, I want to do some real quick uh, research on the uh, Tony Provenzano uh, character who was played. I want to get this right. Um, yeah. So Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham, who has been in some, you a lot of us will probably remember him. I believe it was from Twenty Eight Weeks Later or Twenty Eight Days Later. Was he in? He was in Twenty Eight Days uh-huh. Later. He was one of the uh, the asshole um, officers, I believe, one of the uh, uh, the asshole soldier, uh, soldiers, if I'm not mistaken. He uh, he was also in Snatch. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen either of those. Yeah. Uh, so it, he's a, he's an actor who is who's who's definitely put in some very, very good work. He's, he's played a lot of very, very cool roles. And if you've seen... When you see him in this role, you're like, oh, that's that dude. Yeah. Um, and I think that... It's Mark, like immediately recognizable, but you're also kind of like, from where? Yeah. And you, you kind of get to go down that rabbit hole of, oh, yeah, he was in Snatch. Oh, yeah, he was in these other things, these other good movies. And let me get some refreshers on that. It's kind of like... It's almost like discovering a new band. Like, oh, uh, like if you listen to rap, this this person just spit an incredible verse. Let me go back and see what else they've done. And you get to go do that. This this record or this album movie for me is very much like very musical in that like you get to go back and look at a bunch of different things. You get to go down a bunch of different rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, I think that um, Pesci's performances with Stephen Graham, the two conversations when they're when they're in jail 
uh, together and then when they're not in jail and they go back to the asking for an apology. Yeah. Um, you said something and I felt slighted. I was, you hurt my feelings. It wasn't even, it wasn't even about the money. You hurt my feelings and it's a lot of money. Um, and ultimately those are those things that'll get you killed. Yeah. Um, Going back to Pesci's line, they who are who are they that that the Pesci that uh, Pesci says if they can whack a president they can whack the president of a union. Yeah, uh, is he talking about the mob? Is he talking about um, is he talking about the CIA? Because you you see things in this movie that um, that that Frank Sheeran. Uh, allegedly has a lot of connections to and is connected with guys like E. Howard Hunt, um, the big ears guy. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, with the scene of Frank Sheeran bringing a, a truck from, uh, from was it taken from like Hackensack or something down to, uh, to Florida to deliver weapons to the Cubans that were heading over into the Bay of Pigs. And then you you fast forward to the Kennedy assassination. You see Hoffa's interactions with Bobby Kennedy and uh, and the Kennedys. Was that uh, right after Kennedy got assassinated? They asked Hoffa, uh, "Do you have anything to say to Bobby Kennedy?" Uh, I would tell Bobby Kennedy he's just another lawyer. Oh yes, now now you're just another lawyer. Yeah. Ooh. Well, then there's you know of course uh, the. The uh, and I believe it was it was a, it was an accurate uh, historical moment after the assassination of Kennedy, um, where Hoffa had the Union take their flag from half mast and go full mast with it at the Union Capitol building. Or you know, if you're Jimmy Hoffa, mm-hmm. that's um, that's sort of like his, uh, his his John Lennon Jesus moment. Yeah. Where, was it uh, was it John Lennon said where the Beatles are bigger than Jesus? I believe so. Some, something to that effect, I, you know. And they were tearing up their 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 records in the streets, setting fire to their 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 picture books and the like. Um, but we're we're in a st- uh, in a sense like Hoffa was that that big. Hoffa was getting in arguments with the president's brother in front of the world like he didn't give a shit, mm-hmm. and. And he said it, at the very end when when uh, Frank is given his award for like man of the year from the Teamster Union, ultimately it's my life. Hoffa knew like every decision that he made was his decision, mm-hmm. and, and he I mean he had to know at the very end that it was his decisions that were going to get him killed. Um, whether or not like that was a fate that he accepted, that ultimately that is the fate. Now. I've done a little bit of research into to the after story. Now there there's some mobsters. I believe the guy's name is Michael Franchisi. He's on, done some Vlad TV interviews, but he says pretty adamantly that uh, Frank definitely did not do the Hoffa job. Uh, he knows who did, and that person is still alive, which rules out Sally Bugs, mm-hmm. um, and then clearly would rule out Frank because neither of those two gentlemen are still with us. Yes. Um, so if that's the case, do you think that this is a, a story from an old man, uh, making his kind of last will and testament slash mark on the world, or is this, 
Or is this Frank being loyal to the end and, and trying to take the rap as a dead man to sort of take the, yeah. the, the stench off of other people? Because Michael Franchese, and I could be 100% wrong with the, pronunci- uh, the pronunciation of the name, but he says that Hoffa wasn't, uh, wasn't burned, he wasn't cremated, um, and that his body was buried someplace wet. I do remember hearing that. Um, you know, I try to find motive here. You know, um, what would, would be Frank's motive? I don't know, old guy, alone, family's done with him. Um, you know, which I, I mean, and that was to me seemed like the, the, real, the real story in The Irishman was actually more or less the, uh, it seemed to be sort of this guy's confession about how he, um, you know, this big long life that he lives, how he ends up essentially alone, and it's all, you know, the, the, the spoiler alert, I guess we're about, the, but all there in that last scene where, uh, you know, he's showing the picture of Jimmy Hoffa to the nurse, and no she's, idea. No idea who it is. So it was like all of this that he did that ran off his family, his kids, and all that, and everything he'd done and given up, like, doesn't even matter anymore. You know, and then that, and here's a Scorsese moment, and then as they just slowly kind of exit out of his room with the camera, and you see, like, this old helpless guy by himself, you know, and it, none of it really mattered in the end. So part of me wonders, all right, you know, maybe here's a guy, some of it's probably true, some of it's not true, um, obviously has ties. Uh, maybe he makes up, you know, puts together a story based on stories he's heard before, try to get, you know, a... Uh, you know, get a writer to come in and pay attention to a story, get a book out there, maybe get a little little love. Maybe. You know? Maybe, I don't know. There's, the, the film has a lot of questions. Um, let's talk about some of those things that, that sort of uh, chased his family off. Um, there was a scene where uh, Frank gives a vicious, vicious beating to a grocer because the grocer shoved his little girl. Yeah. There are two completely different 70-year-old men, two completely different types of mm-hmm. 70-year-old men in the world. There's, there's Robert De Niro, 70-something-year-old men, and then there's Sylvester Stallone, 70-year-old men. I really feel like I would have loved to have seen this movie with Stallone as that character. <laughs> I think, A, I think Stallone's probably a better actor. Let's... Even if Stallone just plays a fucking Rocky at this point, yeah. if he plays... Or, or let's play. Let's let's say he taps into his uh, his old man Rambo. Yeah, like he's still. I think when it comes down to it, he's a better actor because he's played different roles. Robert De Niro has mostly played the same role when he's playing when he was in in Ronin or when he was in, um, uh, or even in Goodfellas. He's playing a variation of what he did really well in Taxi Driver and a couple of other films. Even in Meet the Fockers. And meet the yeah, he's still. I mean, he, I will say it's a variant on the classical De Niro role, but he's still ninety percent of the time is being what Robert De Niro. So bees. So then you throw in someone who's who's made a, a career in over the last fifteen years of beating the dog shit out of people um, like Stallone. Let's remember he had the Contender series, dude. Mm-hmm. Like he he's clearly all about physical activity. Um, and they're, I get it. Frank Sheeran was a bigger guy, 
And, and so maybe you want someone like that, but you know what? You can throw a fat suit on Stallone and still have a better movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I loved seeing some of these actors the way that we saw them. We saw Fat Tony Salerno. Um, you, you see so many people in, in different tie-ins. You see the Kennedy assassination. You, it's a long fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. You're looking at like three hours, 20 minutes. You know, even longer if you're interrupted by your children or if you fall asleep three or four times yeah. and have to rewind it. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely not like... It's a pain in the ass to do it in one sitting. Like, I would I would recommend it for, for people who like binge-watching movies. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes. You take it in 45-minute increments maybe the next day if you want to do a little bit of research on it and some of these characters and the story, you can absolutely do that and, and get a refresher. It's like when you discover a new TV show that's kind of historically factual, uh, factual. Um, or based on something historical, like Vikings, uh, that are based on you know quasi-historical yeah, events based on a historical period, you can. It allows you more of some. some yeah, yeah, it's you know you 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 heard a mixtape or you heard a, a compilation yeah. album, and now you get to discover the artist. I fucking love it. I think if you treat this movie like you're binge watching a mini series, you can have a really good time. If you go, if you were one of those poor human beings that went to the movies and had to hold your bladder, I'm sorry. Um, I had zero problem with getting up to take a piss during the movie. Um, you know, like, and I think that that's why you make a three-hour movie, so that people can can watch it. It only aired in a limited amount of theaters, though, right? Just a few. Okay, so, so, who are you again? My name is Richard Vollertson. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out how to pronounce his last name. Okay. Vollertson, yeah. Okay, so um, before Richard says anything, please know that he uh, he had a boxing match last night and he took some blows to the head. <laughs> so if they if you pick up a stutter or something like that, a good disclosure. Uh, you know, it, he's he's working his way out of it. Um, now, what you got, brother? No, so I was gonna ask um, how I usually rate movies is that, and the reason why I don't enjoy going to the movies anymore, or even watching movies online uh, is because you you can't stay engaged the whole entire movie. For some reason, I don't know if it's because you grow up, but the fourth wall starts to become more apparent where you start thinking, ugh, this is the same actor. You know, this is the same thing I've seen over and over. And then you start thinking about other things. So, that, so that's what I was going to ask you guys. During those three hours... Um, how engaged did you say? Do you think you were? Was it something where, like, for example, I enjoy watching anthologies, uh, series like the one on Netflix is Black Mirror, really yeah. good. But I enjoy like I can binge watch those because every hour it's a new set of new mm-hmm. characters, new uh, new story, new, new ideas, story. right? And I understand that a movie can't do that, but they can do. Uh, or they they can. I think they're able. They can to. do whatever they fucking yeah, want. Right. You're, you're only limited. Yeah. <laughs> You're only limited by your creativity, man. So, like, um, it, that's it's really up to to the viewer. Um, it, it's really up to you. Like, for me, I was engaged enough to go back and watch it a second time and have a good conversation that's with my seven friend. hours of his life, seven <laughs> fucking hours of my life. Um, well, like, dedicated to this movie. Well, um, for Forrest Gump, like that's one of my all-time favorite movies. Why? I don't know why. For some reason, you can go ahead, no matter what soundtrack. Yeah, soundtrack. What if that shit well, is all programmed? All of the, all that shit, all that shit was was is is programming. Forrest Gump is selling was was created 
and this is just my opinion. Okay. It was created to sell nostalgia to the past generation. It was, do you remember these songs? <laughs> Here's all these songs. Do you remember these events? Do you remember Elvis? Do you remember this? Do you remember uh, these good times, these bad times? See, that, and that's the beautiful part about it, though, because I've come up with a concept for Forrest Gump 2. <laughs> okay, well, Forrest Gump 2 takes place modern day. Okay. Um, it's Forrest Gump's child, Forrest Jr. I think he was even called Forrest. FJ. Yeah. Um, except his father's money's gone. Um, you know, he had a, you know, obviously screwed up thing, screwed up world where his, his mom is dead. His dad's, you know, an idiot. Um, the money's gone. He's just like, he is going through like the squalor, the underground, the seedy, like crack houses and, you know, flop houses and has a very, very drug problem and the soundtrack to this is going to be like Nirvana and <laughs> you know whatnot and it's just basically it's going to be Forrest Gump 2 but instead of how like you know look I'm meeting the president it's going to be he's running across every bad incident that happens over the period of like the 80s 90s 2000s oh shit he's it turns out that and you know here's the great thing about the way that this this would work is because it's going to work the same way that that Forrest Gump worked and that is the reimagining of history. Like, these things did or they didn't happen. But because you're selling it as a part of nostalgia, people are going to remember it like it did. Yeah. I, I remember that. That makes, you know, when you think about it, Elvis learning his shimmy from a crippled kid with one of those hip things makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> um, because if there's anything that we learned uh, from Public Enemy is that uh, there's nothing that Elvis did that wasn't stolen from someone who was less privileged than him. Um, so I have, a, I have a completely different opinion of Forrest Gump. And I think, and this is my theory, I think it's because of our age. Because I, whenever I watched it, I was pretty young. It's a historical documentary. Yeah, right. It's a, right. It's a historical yeah. documentary. These are kind of how he no. remembers things happen because that's how they remembered him in Forrest Gump. No, um, <laughs> but no, for me. So like, I didn't have to worry about the nostalgia aspect. I didn't think about that until you brought that up. So, oh, I can see that being a bit annoying if because for me, I had no comprehension of what it was like, and so this is my first time getting. It. I'm getting it through a movie, through a fictional char uh, character, and. Uh, but what I love about Forrest Gump so much is that it's this guy who he's honestly just trying to do good. Like, if you think about it, like, the, the very fact that he doesn't get um, screwed over more often <laughs> completely surprises me because um, what he does is that he's just wanting to go ahead and live life, but almost on simple terms where he doesn't seem to follow like a whole bunch of different other rules. He's just because he's stupid is a stupid guy. You simple right. man. <laughs> yeah. And like I mean even for like whenever he went to Vietnam and uh, he went like he went back and rescued all those guys and he didn't even like second guess which I guess that's what you would do in the military, but um it, whenever he got the medal, uh, his medals and all those sort of things, he was kind of very much um, not even like, oh, well, that's cool, I guess. It, you know, he doesn't really, he, do, he, he didn't... He doesn't appreciate the gravity of, of what he did. I'm, 
And I think that that, that, that film... Do you get into conspiracy theories? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm glad, oh, you're, yeah, I'm glad you're sitting there. <laughs> Are you familiar with the concept of deep fake? I... No. Deep face... Deep fake. Okay. Deep fake is where they... Perfect example is the Instagram video of putting Ron Swanson's face on everyone... Uh, from not Family Matters, they put Mike Tyson on everyone from Family Matters, but um, they put Ron Swanson on everyone from Full House. Okay. Okay. Are you, have you seen that? Are you familiar with it? Is Any this the one, one where they can go ahead and make? Yeah, no. put someone else's okay. face okay. on. Put you know a, an a, a different actor in a completely different movie. Like they put Pacino in a like it was like a trailer for uh, Taxi Driver, and it was like Scarface Pacino as that character yeah. Travis Bickle. It's fucking awesome. Um, so that film used one of the first examples of, of what went on to be called deepfake. Deepfake is, you know, the, when they put him in the scene with John Kennedy, and, and they used it, they had used it previously um, in um, a Clint Eastwood movie where he was one of Kennedy's um, security Speaking guards. of old guys that can kick ass. <laughs> Yes, you make a very good point. Uh, we'll go back yeah. to that. De Niro yeah. as the old guy. Um, so, um, so with with the case of of like these films, these films create a technology so that we can sort of change our memory of things that that have happened, historical events. Because now these these historical events, they they just kind of bleed into what actually happened because we associate them with things like the Forrest Gump movie, like in the line of fire where mm. um, Eastwood was the, the um, Secret Service guy. Yeah, um, We kind of confuse that. But then you also end up where that very same technology, and this is where it gets crazy, uh, can very easily be used to convict innocent people of crimes that they never once committed or put people in places that they never were because it's it's a technology that's that's becoming more and more prevalent. Now, we'd be able to see if Jake or I were smart enough to make a deep fake where you could put someone in a bad place, um, smart people could very easily figure out that we made that. But a lot of those technologies that, that people have, ha have existed for 20, almost 30 years, before they, they got to Hollywood, that, that technology probably existed for a good five or six years inside of some sort of uh, a government workshop. But we're going to get to a place where very soon innocent people are going to be convicted of crimes they didn't do. People that were assassinated weren't actually fucking assassinated and have moved on to, to do other things in life. Um, and so, you know... Maybe I, they didn't hang themselves in prison. <laughs> maybe they didn't yeah, hang themselves right. in prison. Um, um, because those those photos of, the, of Buddy Boy coming out look a little bit sketchy. Um, so, and I got to go back to this, though. Like, on the... On the I don't. I don't think that that Buddy Boy killed himself, but and by Buddy Boy I mean Epstein. Like, I don't mean to yeah. make like that's the homie. Yeah. Um, like my name's Bill, but it ain't Clinton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but so I don't know. Um, Did I lose? I you? think no, no. I think that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, only partially. But um, <clears throat> what I think about that is that um, I don't know how many people think that Forrest. Hopefully, there's not a lot of people that think. Those events are accurate because some, uh, although some of them are, but you can go ahead, like if you really wanted to, like if someone were to come to me and say that, oh, this happened in the movie, that doesn't matter what movie, I'm still going to, you know, you want to go ahead, okay, where are your facts? Like, do your research. Yeah, right. But one thing that I wanted to say is that for the longest time, 
I thought Rocky was a real person. Like <laughs> Rocky was based on a real person. Oh, Rocky okay. was Rocky was based loosely. on a it was, loose, well, I thought that, loosely. I thought that Sylvester Stallone enough for Stallone to get person. sued. Well, the um, thing was yeah. is that that statue for the longest time, and I remember my brother telling me, "Is it no Rocky? Oh, he's a, Rocky's not real." I said, like, "What? There's a statue." And he said, "No, that's just you know for the movie because it was such a great movie." And my um, teacher, we talked about it during one of our classes, and um, before we watched it, he was giving us an introduction as to like what it felt like at the time and why it was so. Because he watched it whenever he was in theaters, and he said it at that last fight, like everyone in the theater was standing up and you know cheering for Rocky, and it's which is I've why never, I don't go to theaters. Right. Well, I mean, I've never felt <laughs> you that. Hear, you hear you know, a lots of bling, yeah. and then clapping. You know, like that's why I don't, another reason I don't go to theaters. <laughs> No, it's uh, you know, I think there's certain there's certain fictions that you should just accept as real. Like you know, Rocky should just be real. Yeah, like that's just be one of those. So much easier. It would be so much. It, it would be a better world if it was. Yeah. Like the, it would be better than the the actual some of the actual things that happen. Oh, I would just love that you could you know you legit could potentially beat the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world with zero defense. <laughs> yeah. So let's like, let's um, talk about it. So you're a boxing coach. Uh, Richard is one of your boxers. That, yeah. Um, when you watch Rocky, mm-hmm. what do, you, do you, are you like? Man, fucking Mick was a terrible coach. <laughs> I'm like, like each, why do you have him chasing chickens? Um, <laughs> Mick was my nickname for a while, which was kind of funny, and it's like it's racist. That's just straight enough. <laughs> no. Um, the uh, I, there's there's a lot of things I really like about the Mick character. There's a lot of stuff that's you know it's it's silly. It's 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 you know it's Hollywood. It's theater. But I'm able to like watch Rocky and completely take the boxing coach like out of my brain and just enjoy it for like you know the fact that like all of a sudden there's a robot. You know, for talking like Rocky three, <laughs> four. That's well, I don't know if the the robot was in three. It was, it, it was in I, it was in three because. Uh, I'm almost positive that it makes was sense. Three because that was when he was all soft and fuck you know, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Clubber Lang was out there really like taking on the top guys. Clubber was a bad dude, man. You know, there should have been a second fight. So if well, third fight, I guess. In the in the last fifty years, who would you compare Clubber? Like if Clubber was Rocky's based on an actual guy, Chuck Wapner, I believe his name was probably Wapner. Who is in your in your opinion? Who would Clubber Lang be based on, or who is he a composite of? Oh man, you know I think he'd be really close to maybe like a Sonny Liston or a Marvin Hagler, probably more of a Marvin Hagler, you know, because Sonny Liston, though he was a mean guy, hard hitting guy, um, you know, he had his mob connection, so he was kind of you know he was champ not only because he was the baddest dude on the planet at the time, but he was champ because he went the right path through the mafia. Um, you know, his life I think ended as a collector. Uh, but you had a guy like Marvin Hagler who really got ducked over and over and over again and, you know, always went to war and fought hard. And his, uh, his training camps are, like, legendary for he would just, like, lock himself, like, in a building with no one else but maybe, like, two of his trainers or two of his guys for, like, a week and would have no communication with anybody else or anything like that. And he would get up at, like, 5 in the morning and go to bed at, like, midnight and just train and... You know, he always uh, had this going to war attitude, and so I think um, if you if you look at the Clubber Lang character, which I do believe this is the first appearance of Mr. T's "I Pity the Fool," 
Okay. <laughs> which, you know. Historical. Yes. Yeah, which makes it, I think, more historically accurate and, and, and important than... Uh, that piece of shit Forrest Gump. Don't get me started. <laughs> Let me start on that on that piece of shit Tom Hanks. All right. But anyway, long story uh, short, there is the things. Uh, one of the things I, I used to do really early on, and I'm, I'm going to probably reincorporate it, is I used to do a lot of like weird unorthodox yeah. stuff in in boxing. Because 99 percent of the time, when you're teaching someone something about boxing, what they think you're teaching them is not at all what you're teaching them. Tom Hanks has no boxing movies. I want to throw that out. <laughs> yeah. Tom Hanks... Okay, now, Tom uh, Hanks has war movies. Tom Hanks has, like, astronaut movies. movies. He's got movies Getting where he's lost stuck... lost anywhere. Yeah. yeah. He, Tom Hanks get, can, can get lost pretty much anywhere. But he's got no, like, fighting movies. Surprise, Forrest Gump didn't box. <laughs> I think he... didn't risk any more... Yeah, or been, you know, like, just, like... You know, just on the amateur level. Yeah, like, he, you know, you know. goes to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he moves on to something else. Yeah. I met a man named Cassius when I was in training for the Olympics. He taught me how to be a better person and how to love with my heart forward. <laughs> but, so, um, back to Forrest Gump. There was a, I want to say it was a Reddit post or maybe it was on Tumblr. But it was talking about how at the end of the movie, whenever he realizes that he has a son, um, he asks... Forrest Gump 2. Right. <laughs> Which fucking right. way So We'll go to Forrest Gump 2 in a minute. Finish your thought. But he says, um, he asks Jenny if, uh, if he's like me. And, that's, and so what they said in there was that after all that time, he realized that he was at a disadvantage, that the world was very confusing, mm. he didn't know what was going on, and he didn't want that for his son. And so for him to have that self-awareness, self after, yeah. after he's lived a wonderful life, right, right, where he's met know. the president and was a star football <laughs> player and has all this money from Apple, doesn't want that for his son. <laughs> Which well, is Forrest Gump too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be good because usually what happens whenever um, like people are left a lot of money and like no restriction, you know, whatsoever, yeah. sometimes they fall into bad things. Mom, then, Jenny, but well, Jenny was an addict. Jenny so was we an know addict. that we so know that genetically, we yeah. know that, that that's there. That's a that's a distinct possibility. So, but but let's go back. Let's go back even even further with mm -hmm. this. Um, so, what are some of the events that you would have uh, FJ at? In the in the eighties uh, and nineties, let's let's stick with the nineties because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm. Well, let's think. We're we're gonna have to. Um, well, first off, uh, I do believe oh, he was he was considered he... extra. Uh, like he was supposed to be hyper intelligent. Okay. So he's already and probably very creative. So he's already gonna have probably a little, you know, teetering on the edge of maybe like schizophrenia or just you know that creative depression that you know many artists have. He prevents Y two K. How about that? Everyone thought it was... No, nah, he would have been there, though. <laughs> yeah, he would have been somewhere uh, for, for, the, for, for Y2K. Y2K but... Probably wherever Limp Bizkit was playing. It, well, actually, that was one of the things I, I was going to say. I, he, would have to, he would have to accidentally incite the, uh, the uh, Woodstock riot. Oh, shit. Mm. And oh, I, I think sh probably he probably at some point, um, because he robbed a bank or robbed a He tried to store. smoke a doobie. In the Portageon, and it accidentally set fire to some toilet paper, and then that's how <laughs> yeah. they started the fires at Woodstock. Now, was he? Where was he when he found out about Kurt Cobain? Well, I was just getting <laughs> to that actually. This is this is what I was I was actually just getting ready to say was um, because times are tough, 
He's an addict. He blew all of his dad's money. Um, you know, robs a, robs a liquor store. And the cops are on him. So he's like, Kurt, I need you to hold on to my shotgun. <laughs> Man, do you, do you want to... I don't know that we should have the Kurt Cobain death, su- uh, death slash suicide uh, conspiracy podcast right now. But we can get into it. <laughs> Actually, I was I was gonna roll back to like the point he tried to make or the, his original question like twenty five minutes ago, but we're gonna do revisionist history. Okay, yeah. there's gonna be a flashback scene where uh, Forrest uh, Senior is holding mitts for um, for young karate striking Forrest too. Yeah, um, and so that's gonna turn into to him. Um, Talking to a, to a Gracie uh, and saying, "What if we just put everything together and let them fight it out?" And <laughs> and uh, and that's how how they come up with the Gracie challenge. Um, or or um, you know this develops his love for the striking arts. Yeah. And now, check it out. Now, now as it turns out, Forrest. Uh, is in uh, Las Vegas in 96 for a Tyson fight. And and he gets to observe Tupac's fight in the casino. And then a little bit later on the strip, he's there for the Tupac assassination. Murder. It's called a murder. It's it's not an assassination. It was pretty well documented that it was... That one was probably very well gang-related. I wouldn't call it necessarily an assassination. But he's there for the murder of Tupac. So he sees this. So that's where he's at for, for some of that 90s stuff. Or it was a group of people he slided earlier that were actually aiming for him, missed, and hit Tupac. Oh, shit. Yeah. FG2. FG. Man. Man, Junior is an idiot. <laughs> Junior is in the board, always at the, unlike his dad, who seemed to be at the best, uh, the best possible place in the best possible time. Well, the, um, the worst doing part, the best possible thing. The worst part about it was, you know, his artwork sold for tons of money. He was in a very successful band at one point. Everything was going good, and he just blew it. And no matter what he does, it just he can't goes through life just un, un, unknowingly, like just inciting all these bad things to happen. A feel good movie, like the have yeah, you like seen a the, reverse feel good movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at the end, maybe. It's, but have you seen the perfect? It's like Requiem the for a Dream. Gifts. Dude, that one's a good one. That one's a good one. Don't get me started on that one. So, um, boxing coach. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, martial arts or fighting or boxing uh, movie? Like, is there, like, is it like, man, Cyborg from uh, from Jean Claude? That is my favorite martial arts movie. <laughs> no of all retreat, time. no surrender. Um, you know what? Like, yeah. Eric Roberts was in No Retreat, No Surrender, and there's a cameo from a guy that played the ghost of Bruce Lee. Yeah. You can't. You can't not have that. And I believe also Jean-Claude Van Damme was in yes. No Retreat, No Surrender. He played, I believe, a Russian. Yeah. One of those 80s movies where we're fighting it Russians. Like, we, you know, when it comes to the Cold War, like, we kicked their ass in all the films. Every single one of them. So, yeah. um, allegedly, and I haven't done a whole lot of research into this, there is a conspiracy that we were behind Chernobyl. Oh. Possibly. So... Hear me on, and when I say we, I mean the United States. My thinking is that if that's the case, 
um, it's probably more the, the the conspiracy is largely among like big energy that saw nuclear energy as a threat to the affordability Are and they a threat the to they? their monopoly. They in that case they would be the they. Um, so would did be, Russia do Three Mile Island? Um, not necessarily Russia, but the I probably but but the, there's a, a big energy that there's a big energy conglomerate. Um, that wouldn't that would be opposed to something like free and attainable in or low cost energy that's more affordable uh, and generally speaking more safer than than what we we've currently got because it would upset their monopoly. So that's why you see. Um, I mean, it's very rare that movies come out where they they actually address. Uh, industries destroying people, and it only normally happens fifty years after that person's dead. Like well, there's Tucker, a man in his dream, the guy that designed yeah. a better car. The fucking the 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 industry, the auto industry, crushed that man's life. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's I, I yeah I want to say it's it's not from nineteen eighty four, but maybe it's from nineteen eighty four. But I can't remember who exactly said it. Maybe it was Orwell. Um, but it takes three generations to revise history because you have to <laughs> yeah you have to hit a point where. There's no one alive that currently remembers that could have been there. Um, and then there's no one that could be there. Then the next stage is no one could be alive in the same amount of time of having known someone who was alive during that time. So if you've changed, if you change the history on that third step where no one's alive at the time, anyone alive could have known someone from that time. You can just change history to whatever you want. Absolutely. And I think that and it's something like something ridiculous, like 90 years, something of that, something simple. So um, I've had the op- uh, I've had the opportunity to see, uh, the opportunity to see JoJo Rabbit recently. Yeah. Saw it in Anchorage, and it was one of those. It was a film that was attacked because it, it portrayed Nazis in a good light, mm. uh, as them as being like less than absolutely horrifi- uh, horrific and evil, and and it recommend the movie. Some of them went home to their wives at the end of the night. You know, and uh, and there were gay Nazis and there were all kinds of Nazis that, that maybe didn't necessarily believe in, in the cause. with their children. Just trying to like, just trying to get through their lives in a crazy place. Trying not to get killed. Yeah. And and so that film is kind of just as much about that and that it's just as much about uh, Germans who died fighting uh, an evil system. Um, but going back to this, Going back to the original question, uh, what was your favorite boxing sporting? What about the war? What about Warrior, with uh, Joel Egerton yeah. and uh, Tom Hardy? What are your thoughts on that flick? Oh man, don't even hardly remember it. I have to watch it again. Yeah, it's definitely one I think that's worth yeah. rewatching every once. Trying in a while. to think the uh, who's the old guy? I mean, have to Nick be. Nolte. I Nick like Nolte him. was great in that movie. That's what I remember. Like Nick mm. Nolte really liked audiobooks in that movie. And uh, his his fucking kid drove him nuts. You know, I'm trying to think if, if I would go Rocky or Karate Kid because I think it would have to be one of those two. Yeah, James Smith was born in 1980. Awesome. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my problem with the second one. Like, did wasn't it Kung uh, Kung Fu that he was teaching? Yeah, him? yeah, it was supposed so to be wasn't it karate. Like it was Kung Fu Kid, yeah. man. It was Kung Fu Kid. It's Jackie Chan. It's the Kung Fu Kid. Call it what it is. You have Jack, Pat Morita. Bless his heart. Yeah. No longer with us. No. Uh, call it the Kung Fu. You got fucking Jackie Chan, dude. He was in Rumble in the Bronx, the yeah. Drunken Master. He's dude. He's done some awesome, awesome thing and his own stunts. Yeah. yeah. Shaolin Knights. That dude. Uh, Shanghai Knights. Shanghai Knights. Thank you. Shaolin Knights sounds like a like a movie starring a guy that was like a, a an outside member of a Wu Tang Clan group, like a dude from Killa Army. Which was like some subgroup of the Wu Tang Clan. One of those dudes was in a Shaolin Knights movie. 
It just sounds like that. That's what Shaolin Knight sounds like. It sounds like something that someone shot on like... Well, kind of like kind of like we're doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like on a, on a shoestring budget uh, with what's available. Have you ever seen The Bulletproof Monk? No. <sighs> no. That one is really good. No. I And... and um, and I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't. And that was, I want to say it, was, it wasn't Chow Yun-Fat, was it? I don't know who. He was. No. Was it Jet Li? No. Don't think it was Jet Li. I, wanted, I don't know. We have the internet. I mean, yeah, there, but it is <laughs> so, all the way over there. there. Um, Sean William Scott, that was, uh, I really liked him in that one. Um, and then, what was the other movie that has uh, Jackie Chan and Jet Li? The Forbidden Kingdom? Oh, I don't know. That one. Where really were you when one. you learned karate? Was it real? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's like that's a uh, tough one for everyone. That's like the uh, chow, chow yun fat. It's nice. like when you which, like when you learn the tooth fairy isn't real. It's, Thank you, Intraweb. It's such a good movie. I mean, they uh, should have ruined it with a second one, but they never did. I don't know why. Well, because it didn't make enough money the first time. That's kind of the way it works. If it made a lot of movie, a lot of money, there would be a second one. So let's talk a little bit about Xiao Yun Fat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, The Replacement Killers, uh, and Dragon Ball Evolution. Did not know that existed. <laughs> um, he's got a long, long list of uh, feature films, um, including uh, The Killer. Nice. Yeah, a uh, lot of lot of really cool films with um, John Woo. John Woo, who, if you're not familiar with, makes, like, violent art movies. I was going to say, if you're not familiar with John Woo, you're probably not really into this genre. So one of the things that we should probably do is we should need, we need to put together a list of movies that we need to watch this year, along with things that, are, that are, we know are going to be coming out in Netflix, and, and kind of better structure it. Um, things that we know are coming to streaming services. Here's one that I... Do you have Disney Plus? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna have to get Disney Plus so that we can we can throw in at least a Disney movie a week, <laughs> um, or or an episode of some weird Disney show that got canceled in the fifties. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, the thing that bothers me about Disney Plus is like that um, that nineteen sixties Fantastic Four does not exist on there. Like there was a TV series, a cartoon, yeah. uh, and there was lots of really cool Doctor Doom episodes. Because Doctor Doom's a fucking awesome character, and yeah, MF Doom's robot. a really good rapper. If you have a streaming service, um, you should go down that rabbit hole. Should we go on? We should do music as well. We could. We definitely could. I mean, as long as we're we're on the streaming services and we're getting, we have access to all of this good free music. We should probably, I don't know, maybe review music. Seeing as we're both, we, we love music. We love movies. We we have radio backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we should maybe maybe talk about the good music that's out there. You know, that'd be a lot a, of good music. It'd be a great opportunity for those artists as well to, like, actually know someone's listening. Yeah. Uh, especially if we can find, like, new artists that... that we should hit, like, we should do something like, something that has to have less views than our podcast. Ooh. So I got some music um, that I got a, a follower yeah. uh, who doesn't have a, a lot of followers, but he's making beats and I like his shit. So uh, we're going to give that dude a quick solid shout out. Um, man. We'll get to that in a second. What is his name? Oh, D V I N. Uh, D V I N. D D E V I N. Yeah, I, I just can't support him. <laughs> I can't pronounce his name, but a song for Bunny, I, I really liked, and I'll play that one for you when we're done. I might, I'll probably put a link for that into the uh, in the show notes as well. Um, so let's figure out. Let's. Uh, well, real quick, I did want to roll back to like what started this whole Forrest Gump tangent. 
was uh, Richard originally said that he doesn't like to go to the movies because there's so many moments where like you just get sucked out of the movie and whether or not the Irishman was one of these movies that like you know the fourth wall gets broken not in the like the traditional like you know Al Pacino goes like hey guys <laughs> hi my name's Al <laughs> yeah. no but, uh, but you guys having a good time <laughs> I will say there are so many moments uh, in that movie and it's largely and it's De Niro that does it to you um, like the the scene you had mentioned where he beats up the grocer. I'm glad we're talking about this because it goes back to two different types of 70-year-old men and I would have yeah. loved to have seen Stallone in that beat the dog shit out of that guy. Or Eastwood. Oh, fuck, yeah, because you made a big... Tell me about your your Eastwood. My, okay, so in, in this scene with... Uh, with... You know... Um, De Niro? Oh, De Niro, yeah. He's... You know, he like basically throw, throws the guy about his own size. Obviously, looks younger than he does. Or at least, is he looks younger in the way he moves, and he's like kicking him on like the side of the. Uh, yeah, and it's like this. No one like that. That's not a fight you're gonna lose. No. Like you're not the grocer there. You're like you're laughing. You're getting back up, and you're. I mean, he just it clearly it's an old guy trying to look tough and he's just you know you can tell like his back was sore that day or something or I, you should have gotten looked, like the dude that did uh, Darth Maul yeah exactly just dude cool like parkour yes. shit all over the place yeah. that's like oh it's, it's a yeah, fucking ninja too it just it looked like an old man pretending to beat up someone who's letting them beat them up yeah, yeah. now you rolled to something like El, what is it El Torino uh, Gran Torino Gran Torino thanks Gran Torino Clint Eastwood like, when that dude is beating people up in that film, it looks legit. Like an old man fighting. Like an old man who's, you know, who's, like, done some time, been to war, like... I'm gonna die and so are you. Yeah. And it's like, you, you know, and knows, knows that he's not, like, physically a tough guy, but he's strategically a tough guy. You know? And honestly, like, I, it, was, it was a lot... There's a lot more believable of a beating there than... And that was one of those moments in uh, The Irishman where I just got sucked out of it. De Niro is the weakest link in this movie, yeah. 100%. So, um, have you guys seen Dirty Grandpa with De Niro? I won't see Dirty Grandpa with so, De Niro. There's an um, unrated version. I'm pretty sure this is where this... Uh, there's there's a part of me... Can I... I yeah, oh sorry, I didn't interrupt you. It makes me feel like... It, the Irishman would have been a much better movie um, if... Uh, God, it's going to sound so shitty to say. Something bad had happened to De Niro after he made Bad Grandpa. That movie would it would have been a much more believable... Because they would have had to have get, gotten Stallone. Or, fuck, it would have been more believable with Jason Statham. <laughs> How great would it have... Ryan, <laughs> Wait, Ryan Reynolds! Yeah. Ryan Reynolds as the Irishman. What a fucking so much better movie. Um, by the way, Ryan Reynolds has a new movie on Netflix. And, and yeah. whatever that's called, that's what we're reviewing next week. Yeah, it's that, gotta happen. It has to, because it's Ryan Reynolds. And it's Ryan Reynolds with one of these crazy Netflix budgets. Which yeah. is which is one of the good things about Netflix. Because it is a worldwide network that people around the world are paying for, they can afford to make movies like The Irishman, which were very expensive to make. And my understanding is that went pretty well over budget as well. Yeah. Because if you're signing on to make a film with De Niro and Pacino and Martin Scorsese, and it's a period piece. And so now you get... And Ray Romano. And Ray, fucking Ray... Ray Romano was great. Ray Romano alone was was reason enough to watch the scenes with Ray Romano. Was, yeah, De Niro was the weakest link. And if you are 
If you are a deep fake person and you're listening to the podcast, please, please recut the Irishman with <laughs> with, with any of the, the above listed actors. Or if you could dub in like your dad's face. If you yeah. can dub your dad into the um, the De Niro if, face. Or if you just want to double up on Pesci. Oh shit! If you could, if you could throw uh, throw Pesci from Goodfellas, like his face <laughs> yeah. on, and so you make it so Pesci is like talking to himself. My God, it's the greatest movie ever. Um, if you replace Pesci with everyone with just Pesci, <laughs> oh my God! If you replace Pesci's wife with Pesci, <laughs> make it the greatest movie ever. Joe Pesci in The Irishman. Joe Pesci, Pesci as everybody. <laughs> Be great, be the greatest movie ever. Um, allegedly, and and I, I'm gonna have to to find out how to get a copy of this. Topher Grace of that '70s show recut episode one through three of the Star Wars movies into like a cohesive piece of yeah. cinema. And this this out this exists out there. I'd really like to watch it. I, I do want to see uh, see that because that the guy from that '70s show recut Star Wars and apparently it's supposed to be okay. But this shit exists because pirates are awesome. <laughs> um, and so, like, if you're one of those pirates at home that's like deep faking uh, cool entertainment, yeah, give me the Irishman with like an you know what, you and McGregor, <laughs> <laughs> but but you and McGregor from like. Well, fuck you, McGregor from anything. You yeah. can get him from that, uh, from that, that um, uh, Winnie the Pooh movie. You can get you and McGregor from Star Wars. You can get you and McGregor from uh, uh, Train Spotting. You know that would probably be the one to get. I still haven't seen the sequel, but um, to Train Spotting. <laughs> there's a good uh, sequel. Yeah, there's a there's yeah, a Train Spotting like... sequel. It's like they're existing twenty years in the future. It's like You're still alive. Some of them. <laughs> Um, great movie, by the way. Uh, Danny Boyle did that one as well, correct? I do not know. Um, shit. Again, the internet. Um, yeah. yeah, so what are we talking about uh, next week? Um, I love that we don't know the name of it, but the Ryan Reynolds film. Ryan Reynolds on Netflix film, yeah. Um, yeah. and so what was the last thing we're looking up before we get out of here? Um, oh, Ryan Reynolds. It's, I think it's called Take Six. No, something like that. Yeah. So, um, and are there any any other films you want to throw in that we might uh, try to sneak, uh, sneak in this week? Oh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. I'll find something, though. All right. Something if you have any else. ideas, drop them in the comments, and we'll, we'll go from there. Um, Richard, thank you very much, man. How do you feel today? Honestly? I feel pretty good. Yeah. Um, not as sore as I thought I was going to be. And... Yeah, everything. Well, you know, usually it, as long as you don't hit the guy, it doesn't hurt too bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so six underground. Six underground. Six underground is a movie. By the way, um, in your fight last night, you fought you fought Alton Prince, and that was honestly that was the best Alton Prince that I had, I had ever seen. So uh, congratulations. Uh, he's a veteran. He fought pretty defensively, especially like in the uh, in, in the first round. Mm-hmm. He was doing he was doing a lot of a lot of things that I uh, I had never seen him do that well. I think he's been training. Which is something you rarely see Alton do. And, and well. if, I mean, he trains in the ring. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, fucking Alton Prince training can be a pretty scary thing. Because yeah. he's a guy who does have a lot of experience. Um, and, if he can, and if he can use that, if he can combine his experience, like the things he's learned, uh, the things that he's clear, like learned clearly don't work, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, he can, he can connect some shit. He can put some things together. A smaller, uh, a smaller Alton Prince is not a bad thing. Um, I mean, Joe Riggs 
was a Joe Riggs fought at heavyweight mm-hmm. uh, and then ended up fighting at like 155. So, um, and people go up and down all the time. BJ Penn was one of those guys. And, and Alan Prince, I think, is one of those guys that. I, I think like, if he were to get around the 170 mark. 175-ish, I think he would be a force to be reckoned with. I think Alton Prince actually could do 170. He carries around a lot of body fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not 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 like I'm, I'm insulting him. It's not no. like he doesn't know that he carries around a lot of extra weight. He took off 30 pounds for a reason. If he keeps taking off weight, if he keeps doing the things that he knows he's supposed to be doing, he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, he's you know connecting those things and making them work. I've known Alton Prince for a couple years. First time I saw him fight was uh, Stephen Lawson about four years ago. At, at, I think it was the very first fight before Christmas. So, like, so Alton Prince is a guy that's been around for a while, man. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you see people who fought and lost and you see them, but they're, they're getting better. Like, Alton Prince from last night, the one that you fought, would have beat the dog shit out of the one that fought Stephen Lawson. So, like, I mean, it's, we're talking four years plus difference. Um, but, yeah, you fought the best Alton Prince that I've ever seen. Um, and and Alton Prince is a guy I would like to see at 170, and I, I want to see him compete as he gets there as well. I don't mm-hmm. want him to just. Uh, I think that he's gonna as he lightens up, he's gonna see more success against against the heavier guys, uh, and he's gonna feel he's gonna feel like his his movement is coming together a lot better. I don't think there's a chance you're going to not see him compete. No, he said. I mean, I think he's you know he's one of those guys that you know if he says I have 100 fights, I believe him. Yeah, because I've seen him fight at least nine times. Yeah, and that's that's just in in the last month. It's I don't know. rare to find an event he's not at. Yeah, he's legitimately he's if there's a fight going on, he's there. Um, and I would like to see I would like to see what a lighter Alton Prince mm-hmm. does against um, uh, against Sean Whitmore. Because uh, a Sean Whitmore Sean Whitmore fought last night. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know I mean it was a very short fight. Yeah. Um, so we didn't get to see a whole lot from him. But I, I know he's dedicated to fighting again in May. So what does what does a Sean Whitmore training, what it, you know, eating right, doing the things that he's supposed to do? Because I think Sean Whitmore at around 205 bodies a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Uh, he just, just does it. Uh, no, he's, he's an absolute beast of a man. Um, so I want to see what that looks like. Keeps ducking me. <laughs> what a turd! <laughs> he's not ducking me. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, like he's di- he's calling me out. Like, <laughs> like all all that means is like he wants to beat me up. Like then and, and, and I don't doubt that he could. I just yeah. the, here's the thing. Not only do I have no doubt that Sean Whitmore could beat the dog shit out of me and just smother me and fucking hurt me real bad. Um, He's gonna he's gonna be the person that sells the most tickets to the fight. Oh yeah, he's gonna, I sold a thousand dollars worth of tickets. And he worked for less than thirty seconds last night, and he and he probably sold a bunch of tickets. Oh yeah, he no, he he did well. Yeah, he's um, you know I I've always I've always teased him, um, because he's easy. I mean, if you see if you see pictures of him from when he was like in like his physical prime. Like an absolute beast of a man, and so I've always made the joke that it's like, man, every time I, I come up and wait, you go up and wait, so you must be ducking me. <laughs> but but I I did notice though he's starting to cut a lot of weight, so there is a chance. I'd l- I'd like to see what yeah. he does. Um, yeah, if we he have around the 200, 205. We have some some really the, the fact that we have multiple places for for someone to train for for a person mm-hmm. like for like Whitmore to train. Uh, means we don't have a shortage of places that he can go, and and 
man, I, I want to see... I want to see what happens when fighters connect the dots. Like, they, well, it's like anyone connecting the dots, mm-hmm. figuring out the things uh, that they're supposed to be doing, or, or figuring out ways to make themselves better at whatever painting they're trying to paint, whatever their like chosen art is. Like, this is how I'm going to express myself. And and I, I I love watching like the displays, like because you can tell you can tell when someone's been been working real hard, uh, and someone's like, yeah, fuck it, you know, yeah. I'm here um, because it's it's always much more entertaining from the consumer to to um, to see the art that's that you know as it gets put together mm-hmm. rather than you know like just making shit up as you go along. Yeah, well, it's it's a lot more exciting to see like two very skilled athletes, very skilled fighters, even play if they're that moderately game. skilled, or even yeah, just yeah. You know, two people that there's a bit of that chess match in Putting there. In the effort, or you know, there's you know you got enough for the, it, they're going to make it the three rounds. You know, and not be like, yeah, or they're going to make it out of the first round, and not be gassed, or you might, you know, you got a chance for a knockout or something like that. When you, you you tend to, in a lot of these events lately, it seems like you tend to get a lot of people that they really meant to train, but did you, you know? But there's only like a week before the fight. There's shit they got to do. Yeah, yeah, they got to throw a transmission in. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. It's just like. Yeah, there was a new, you know, been trying to get through the Irishman. <laughs> I mean, they made they made Robert De Niro sound like a great big piece of shit. <laughs> I need to see this. You know, it really would be different if you threw Cedric the Entertainer in. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, it was really cool to see Jim Norton as Don Rickles. Yeah, that was cool. Don, and it, it lets you know also that Don Rickles was really connected. Um, and Don Rickles also in Scorsese films. Yeah. Yeah, he was in Casino. Look at that. Yeah. Played a very terrifying man. He he basically played the Russell Buffalino character in a different life. Like, he was he was the the pit boss. Like, if Russell Buffalino was a, was a pit boss... He would have been Don Rickles in Got Casino. for a real job. Yeah. Only three people have these rings, and only one of them's Irish. <laughs> if they can, if they two can of whack, them are dead. They can whack a president. Yeah. They can whack the president of a union. I want to get a big ass ring. I want to get one of those. I don't care if like I have my daughter make it with aluminum foil. I don't give a shit. <laughs> that ring was awesome. <laughs> well, you said it right next to your phone, so it's gonna pop up on your. It's, it's oh yeah, it's gonna like it's gonna come through the Instagram feed of like ads. Yeah. Um, uh, Irishman replica ring <laughs> for only twenty nine dollars. Oh man! So uh, Richard, yeah, anything you want to throw in? Any last bits? Um, do you want to fight again? <coughs> yes, I definitely do. Yeah, I don't know when the next fights are, but it'll be fun to participate. I think uh, I think May. Is there anyone that you saw fighting at this fight that you'd want to see fighting and get? By the way, shout out to all the fighters and and, yeah. and, and uh, winners or losers. Yeah, win or lose. I mean, yeah, if you step in there, you you know, I mean, you've done more than ninety nine percent of the population. Fucking true story. Shout out to those two roller derby girls. Yeah, yeah. That this like they just found out they were doing that. Like I they w- just they just went in there and punched their friends in the head. <laughs> I wish I wish I could have saw that. But so there was a part I of take me. One of their hands. One of them, uh, her jersey number was 420. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more off the air, man. But it's cool that it's cool that they were there. Um, 
it seemed like there were a lot of first time fighters and I thought that was awesome yeah I thought that was really really cool as, as a fan um, you saw first time fighters against veterans you saw um, it used to be the Thursday night fights whatever it is in Wasilla um, they're one, 125 or 135 champ that's mm-hmm. who who fought um, uh, Tommy Anderson yeah um he took that fight on a, on not very much notice. No, no, not at all. Um, and and so like I I don't feel like he had a proper like I think that if he had a, a real camp like I get it he's a champ he's probably he stays in, in really good champ uh, really really good shape ready to go, but I would have liked to have seen, um, I lo- I want to see what he can do I really want to see what he can do his Kid's last got fight a lot of heart his last fight down here he fought um, shoot I cannot remember his name but AK forty nine guy who out- outweighed him. Um, was it Victor? It wasn't Victor. Mm. Um, I don't want to see Victor fight anyone unless it's it's on TV. Like Victor doesn't need to be fighting. Uh, I mean, I would like Victor needs to be fighting in AFC yeah. more than anything. There there are guys who, unless I mean, there may be a couple of fights to make for him down here on the peninsula. But like legitimately, the last time that I saw him fight in the peninsula, off the top of my head. Last two times he's mollywopped, just mollywopped whatever's been in front of him, and very vicious, very brutal, very fast, very angry beatings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that when you fight that way and you you're that quick and you're that aggressive, then you need to you really need to be fighting uh, on you know you need to be fighting on TV. Those those need to be in front of like more people. Than just a, a couple of folks in Soldat that should be that should be on Fight Pass, and I should be able to go watch it again in six months. Uh, I should be able to, which Fight Pass is probably another streaming service I should probably dig yeah, myself yeah. into. Um, I'm probably still paying for it, even though I don't use it. Victor uh, Victor's a great fighter, and the last two times I saw him fight anybody, he he really fucked some people up. Um, so I in May of, was it May of last year at the Harley Davidson. No, I don't know the date, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. It was he fought uh, a feller who that um, a couple days previously had fought in the AFC. Yeah, uh, and then was having this event a couple days later in Soldatna. So like our our event down here was absolutely in danger with this guy fighting two times in a week. Luckily, the guy that Victor fought won his fight in the AFC very quickly. Uh, didn't take damage and was ready to go again. Then he fought Victor, and and it was it was one of those things like it's, it was a kind of an ex- an existential experience. Like after the fight, uh, we're at the duck and I'm sitting down. I'm talking to to Matt Plant, and I see this fighter after the fight with Victor, and and he looked like he got drugged behind uh, a fucking like he looked like uh, the Griswold's dog, mm-hmm. you know, from the first trip. Like they, he just like he got beat up pretty bad. Um. I was like, fuck, you know, like, this could have happened to you on Wednesday, uh, and then our event wouldn't have happened yeah. on Saturday. I mean, I'm sorry this happened to you, but I'm grateful it happened here. Um, and and that is, that was the kind of, it was the kind of vicious and entertaining beating that needs to be able to be rewatched with better cameras. And that's what it's all about. Like, you see fighters, and that's what Matt does a pretty good job of, is, is bringing down these guys... Um, who who have real real records? Guys like Chris Burbage, um, who who fought down here. These guys have have really good uh, records in the AFC. Some of these guys are champs, um, and Matt does a pretty good job of bringing him down here. I think that people who are fight fans um, don't necessarily understand like 
the talent because Matt's paying them what they're getting in the AFC. A lot of these guys are getting what they'd be getting or more than if they were getting uh, paid by by the AFC. So I don't know, man. Like I want to see more of those guys down here, and I think that it's there's a distinct possibility we can do it. We just have to support it more. I don't know, but whatever it is. But I, I look forward to seeing you fight again. Um, Thank you. You know, as long as you do the things you're supposed to do, listen to your coaches and press on forward, man. Just fucking forget tell my kids, man. Do the things you know you're supposed to do. Now, do you want to watch the Irishman now? Is that something you'll do? Well, it depends. So that's what I was going to go. Uh, there was one, um, back to that dirty grandpa comment. Um, on the unrated version, there was one monologue that De Niro had that for some reason... Uh, there was some passion. I don't, it was a hilarious monologue, somewhat serious, but I I wish that I had more or that I saw more of that um, intensity in the Joker or Joker whenever he played the. Uh, I mean, I guess it couldn't have been as much, but whenever he was the talk show host, it didn't really feel like. And so someone mentioned that the reason why he was in there was because it was a little nod of the hat to uh, so another Scorsese. Well, oh. Oh, not just Taxi Driver. Okay, oh, really? so there's okay. a there's a film called King of Comedy where De Niro plays a not funny stand-up comic who, if I understand correctly, because I haven't seen the film, he kidnaps a TV host. Yeah. So the, the, those characters, they all kind of come together and they're all kind of nods to each other. But yeah, that, that, um, the Joker uh, would not have looked like the Joker without films like Taxi Driver. That's, that's 100% true. Without <laughs> yeah. guys like, yeah. like Travis Bickle, who is, is a great, just a, a great cinematic character. Um, yeah, De Niro has those moments where you're like, "Well, he's a fucking incredible actor," and then there are moments where you're like, "There's a reason that dude wasn't on The Sopranos," <laughs> like because they because that's where all the good Italian actors were. They were all working on The Sopranos. Fucking Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi was on The Sopranos. He did a, at least a season of The Sopranos. Really? Um, Joey pa- Pantaleones from The Matrix. Joey Pants, another season of uh, The Sopranos. Like Sopranos might have been the greatest TV show of all time. That or The Wire. I don't know. But it goes back to like streaming services and, and, and premium content. You get what you pay for. And that's why shit that they give to you on network TV sucks. <laughs> and you have to watch commercials. And you have yeah. to watch commercials. Shit sucks. It extra sucks. Yeah. You, pay, you pay so you don't have to watch the stupid fucking dumbass commercials. Now, you still have to watch stupid dumbass commercials on HBO. However, for like 13 bucks a month, I get HBO Go. Streaming service and chill, mother lovers! <laughs> Gotta end on that. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Drop down in the comments below. Let us know what you want to watch. Let us know what you want us to watch, and we will discuss it. Alright, Richard, thank you so much for your time. Jake, I love you. Streaming service and chill. Streaming service and chill. It's coming. It's coming. It's We're gonna have t-shirts. Yeah. We're gonna have t-shirts. It's a... It'll, it'll be, it'll be oh, cool. A little terrified by what design's gonna be. <laughs> As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Red Run Cannabis Company License 3A10056. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators License 4A10052. 
Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, License 5A19372. 5455 Kenai Spur Highway, 12156 Kenai Spur Highway, Kenai, Alaska 99611.